Section 10 of Rewards and Fairies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rewards and Fairies by Rudyard Kipling. Section 10 A Doctor of Medicine. An Astrologer's Song. To the heavens above us, O oh, look and behold, The planets that love us all harnessed in gold. What chariots, what horses against us shall bide, While the stars in their courses do fight on our side? All thought, all desires that are under the sun, Are one with their fires, as we also are one. All matter, all spirit, all fashion, all frame, receive and inherit their strength from the same o man that deniest all power save thine own their power in the highest is mightily shown not less in the lowest that power is made clear o man if thou knowest what treasure is here earth quakes in her throes and we wonder for why but the blind planet knows when her ruler is nigh and attuned since creation to perfect accord she thrills in her station and yearns to her lord the waters have risen the springs are unbound their floods break their prison and raven around no rampart withstands em their fury will last till the sign that commands em sinks low or swings past through abysses unproven and gulfs beyond thought our portion is woven our burden is brought yet they that prepare it whose nature we share make us who must bear it well able to bear though terrors o'ertake us we'll not be afraid no power can unmake us save that which has made nor yet beyond reason nor hope shall we fall all things have their season, and mercy crowns all. Then doubt not, ye fearful, the Eternal is King. Up heart, and be cheerful, and lustily sing, What chariots, what horses against us shall bide, While the stars in their courses do fight on our side? A Doctor of Medicine they were playing hide-and-seek with bicycle-lamps after tea. Dan had hung his lamp on the apple-tree at the end of the hellebore bed in the walled garden, and was crouched by the gooseberry bushes, ready to dash off when Una should spy him. He saw her lamp come into the garden and disappear as she hid it under her cloak. While he listened for her footsteps, somebody—they both thought it was Phillips the gardener— coughed in the corner of the herb-beds. "'All right,' Una shouted across the asparagus. "'We aren't hurting your old beds, Phipsy.' She flashed her lantern toward the spot, and in its circle of light they saw a Guy Fawkes-looking man in a black cloak and a steeple-crowned hat walking down the path beside Puck. They ran to meet him, and the man said something to them about rooms in their head. After a time they understood he was warning them not to catch colds. "'You've a bit of a cold yourself, haven't you?' said Una, for he ended all his sentences with a consequential cough. Puck laughed. "'Child,' the man answered, "'if it hath pleased heaven to afflict me with an infirmity, 
"'Nay, nay,' Puck struck in. "'The maid spoke out of kindness. "'I know that half your cough is but a catch to trick the vulgar, and that's a pity. "'There's honesty enough in you, Nick, without rasping and hawking.' "'Good people,' the man shrugged his lean shoulders, "'the vulgar crowd love not truth unadorned. <laughs> "'Wherefore we philosophers must needs dress her "'to catch their eye or <coughs> their ear.' "'What do you think of that?' said Puck solemnly to Dan. "'I don't know,' he answered. "'It sounds like lessons.' "'Ah, well, there have been worse men than Nick Culpepper "'to take lessons from.' "'Now where can we sit that's not indoors?' "'In the haymow next to old Middenborough,' Dan suggested. "'He doesn't mind.' "'Eh?' Mr. Culpepper was stooping over the pale hellbore blooms by the light of Una's lamp. "'Does Master Middenborough need my poor services, then?' "'Save him, no,' said Puck. "'He is but a horse, next door to an arse, as you'll see presently. Come here.' <laughs> Their shadows jumped and slid on the fruit-tree walls. They filed out of the garden, by the snoring pig-pound and the crooning hen-house, to the shed where Middenborough, the old lawnmower pony, lives. His friendly eyes showed green in the light, as they set their lamps down on the chicken's drinking trough outside, and pushed past to the haymow. Mr. Culpepper stopped at the door. "'Mind where you lie,' said Dan. "'This hay's full of hedge-brishings.' "'In, in,' said Puck. "'You've lain in fouler places than this, Nick. "'Ah, let us keep touch with the stars.' He kicked open the top of the half-door and pointed to the clear sky. "'There be the planets you conjure with.' What does your wisdom make of that wandering and variable star behind those apple-boughs? The children smiled. A bicycle that they knew well was being walked down the steep lane. Where? Mr. Culpepper leaned forward quickly. That? Some countryman's lantern. Wrong, Nick, said Puck. "'Tis a singular bright star in Virgo, declining towards the house of Aquarius, the water-carrier, who had lately been afflicted by Jim and I. Aren't I right, Una?' Mr. Culpepper snorted contemptuously. "'No, it's the village nurse going down to the mill about some fresh twins that came there last week.' "'Nurse!' Una called, as the light stopped on the flat. "'When can I come see the modest twins? And how are they?' "'Next Sunday, perhaps. Doing beautifully,' the nurse called back, and with a ping-ping-ping of her bell brushed round the corner. "'Her uncle's a veterinary surgeon near Banbury,' Una explained. "'And if you ring her bell at night, it rings right beside her bed, not downstairs at all. Then she humps up, she always keeps a pair of dry boots in the fender, you know, and goes anywhere she's wanted.' We help her bicycle through gaps sometimes. Most of her babies do beautifully. She told us so herself. I doubt not, then, that she reads in my books, said Mr. Culpepper quietly. Twins at the mill, he muttered half aloud. And again he saith, Return, ye children of men. Are you a doctor or a rector? Una asked and Puck, with a shout, turned head over heels in the hay. But Mr. Culpepper was quite serious. 
he told them that he was a physician astrologer a doctor who knew all about the stars as well as all about herbs or medicine he said that the sun the moon and five planets called jupiter mars mercury saturn and venus governed everybody and everything in the world they all lived in houses he mapped out some of them against the dark with a busy forefinger and they moved from house to house like pieces at draughts and they went loving and hating each other all over the skies if you knew their likes and dislikes he said you could make them cure your patient and hurt your enemy and find out the secret causes of things he talked of these five planets as though they belonged to him or as though he were playing long games against them the children burrowed in the hay up to their chins and looked out over the half-door at the solemn star-powdered sky till they seemed to be falling upside down into it while mr culpepper talked about trines and oppositions and conjunctions and sympathies and antipathies in a tone that just matched things a rat ran between middenborough's feet and the old pony stamped mid hates rats said dan and passed him over a lock of hay i wonder why divine astrology tells us said mr culpepper the horse being a martial beast that beareth man to battle belongs naturally to the red planet mars the lord of war i would show you him but he's too near his setting rats and mice doing their business by night come under the dominion of our lady the moon now between mars and luna the one red to other white the one hot to other cold and so forth stands as i have told you a natural antipathy or as you say hatred which antipathy their creatures do inherit whence good people you may both see and hear your cattle stamp in their stalls for the self-same causes as decree the passages of the stars across the unalterable face of heaven <coughs> puck lay along chewing a leaf they felt him shake with laughter and mr culpepper sat up stiffly i myself said he have saved men's lives and not a few neither by observing at the proper time there is a time mark you for all things under the sun <clears throat> by observing i say so small a beast as a rat in conjunction with so great a matter as this dread arch above us he swept his hand across the sky yet there are those he went on sourly who have years without knowledge right said puck no fool like an old fool mr culpepper wrapped his cloak round him and sat still while the children stared at the great bear on the hilltop give him time puck whispered behind his hand he turns like a timber-tug all of a piece <coughs> mr culpepper said suddenly i'll prove it to you when i was physician to say's horse and fought the king or rather the man charles stuart in oxfordshire i had my learning at cambridge the plague was very hot all around us i saw it at close hands he who says i am ignorant of the plague for example is altogether beside the bridge we grant it said puck solemnly 
but why talk of the plague this rare night to prove my argument this oxfordshire plague good people being generated among rivers and ditches was of a wearish watery nature therefore it was curable by drenching the patient in cold water and laying him in wet clothes or at least so i cured some of them mark this it bears on what shall come after mark also nick said puck that we are not your college of physicians but only a lad and a lass and a poor lubberkin therefore be plain old hyssop on the wall to be plain and in order with you i was shot in the chest while gathering of betney from a brookside near tem and was took by the king's men before their colonel one blag or brag whom i warned honestly that i had spent the week past among our plague-stricken he flung me off into a cowshed much like this here to die as i supposed but one of their priests crept in by night and dressed my wound he was a sussex man like myself who was that said puck suddenly zack touchum no jack margit said mr culpepper jack margit of new college a little merry man that stammered so why a plague was stuttering jack at oxford then said puck he had come out of sussex in hope of being made a bishop when the king should have conquered the rebels as he styled us parliament men his college had lent the king some monies too which they never got again no more than simple jack got his bishopric when we met he had had a bitter bellyful of king's promises and wished to return to his wife and babes this came about beyond expectation for so soon as i could stand of my wound the man blag made excuse that i had been among the plague and jack had been tending me to thrust us both out from their camp the king had done with jack now that jack's college had lent the money and blag's physician could not abide me because i would not sit silent and see him butcher the sick he was a college of physicians man so blag i say thrust us both out with many vile words for a pair of pestilent prating pragmatical rascals <coughs> ha called you pragmatical nick puck started up our time oliver came to purge the land how did you and honest jack fare next we were in some sort constrained to each other's company i was for going to my house in spitalfields he would go to his parish in Sussex. But the plague was broke out and spreading through Wiltshire, Berkshire, and Hampshire, and he was so mad distracted to think that it might even then be among his folk at home that I bore him company. He had comforted me in my distress. I could not have done less. And I remembered that I had a cousin at Great Wigsell near by Jack's parish thus we footed it from oxford cassock and buff coat together resolute to leave wars on the left side henceforth and either through our mean appearances or the plague making men less cruel we were not hindered to be sure they put us in the stocks one half day for rogues and vagabonds at a village under st leonard's forest where as i have heard nightingales never sing but the constable very honestly gave me back my astrological almanac which i carry with me mr culpepper tapped his thin chest i dressed a whitlow on his thumb 
So we went forward. Not to trouble you with impertinences, we fetched over against Jack Margaret's parish in a storm of rain about the day's end. Here our roads divided, for I would have gone on to my cousin at Great Wigsell, but while Jack was pointing me out his steeple, we saw a man lying drunk, as he conceived, athwart the road. He said it would be one Hebden, a parishioner, until then a man of good life and he accused himself bitterly for an unfaithful shepherd that had left his flock to follow princes but i saw it was the plague and not the beginnings of it neither they had set out the plague-stone and the man's head lay on it what's a plague-stone dan whispered when the plague is so hot in a village that the neighbors shut the roads against them people set a hollowed stone pot or pan where such as would purchase victuals from outside may lay money and the paper of their wants and depart those that would sell come later what will a man not do for gain snatch the money forth and leave in exchange such goods as their conscience reckons fair value i saw a silver groat in the water and the man's list of what he would buy was rain-pulped in his wet hand my wife oh my wife and babe says jack of a sudden and makes up hill i with him a woman peers out from behind a barn crying out that the village is stricken with the plague and that for our lives sake we must avoid it sweetheart says jack must i avoid thee and she leaps at him and says the babes are safe she was his wife when he had thanked god even to tears he tells me this was not the welcome he had intended, and presses me to flee the place while I was clean. Nay, the Lord do so to me, and more also, if I desert thee now, I said. These affairs are under God's leave, in some fashion my strength. Oh, sir, she says, are you a physician? We have none. Then, good people, said I, I must e'en justify myself to you by my works. Look! look ye stammers jack i took you all this time for a crazy round-head preacher he laughs and she and then i all three together in the rain are overtook by an unreasonable gust or clap of laughter which none the less eased us we called it in medicine the hysterical passion so i went home with them why did you not go on to your cousin at great wigsell nick puck suggested "'Tis barely seven miles up the road.' "'But the plague was here,' Mr. Culpepper answered, and pointed up the hill. "'What else could I have done?' "'What were the parson's children called?' said Una. "'Elizabeth Allison, Stephen, and uh, Charles, a babe. "'I scarce saw them at first, for I separated to live with their father in a cart-lodge. "'The mother we put, forced, into the house with her babes. "'She had done enough.' and now good people give me leave to be particular in this case the plague was worst on the north side of the street for lack as i showed em of sunshine which proceeding from the prime mobile or source of life i speak astrologically is cleansing and purifying in the highest degree the plague was hot too by the corn chandlers where they sell forage to the carters extreme hot in both mills along the river and scatteringly in other places except mark you at the smithy 
Mark here that all forges and smith-shops belong to Mars, even as corn and meat and wine-shops acknowledge Venus for their mistress. There was no plague in the smithy at Monday's Lane. Monday's Lane? You mean our village? I thought so when you talked about the two mills, cried Dan. Where did we put the plague-stone? I'd like to have seen it. And look at it now, said Puck, and pointed to the chicken's drinking trough where they had set their bicycle lamps. It was a rough, oblong stone pan, rather like a small kitchen sink, which Phillips, who never wastes anything, had found in a ditch and had used for his precious hens. That, said Dan and Una, and stared and stared and stared. Mr. Culpepper made impatient noises in his throat and went on. <coughs> I am at these pains to be particular, good people, because I would have you follow, so far as you may, the operations of my mind. That plague which I told you I had handled outside Wallingford in Oxfordshire was of a watery nature, conformable to the brookish river-in country it bred in, and curable, as I have said, by drenching in water. This plague of ours here, for all that it flourished among watercourses, every soul at both mills died of it, could not be so handled, which brought me to a stand. <coughs> and your sick people in the meantime, Puck demanded, we persuaded them on the north side of the street to lie out in Hitherum's field, where the plague had taken one or at most two in a house. Folk would not shift for fear of thieves in their absence. They cast away their lives to die among their goods. Human nature, said Puck. I've seen it time and again. How did your sick do in the fields? They died not near so thick as those that kept within doors, and even then they died more out of distraction and melancholy than plague. But I confess, good people, I could not in any sort master the sickness, or come at a glimmer of its nature or governance. To be brief, I was flat bewildered at the brute malignity of the disease, and so did what I should have done before, dismissed all conjectures and apprehensions that had grown up within me, chose a good hour by my almanac, clapped my vinegar-cloth to my face, and entered some empty houses, resigned to wait upon the stars for guidance. "'At night? Were you not horribly frightened?' said Puck. "'I dared to hope that the God who hath made man so nobly curious to search out his mysteries might not destroy a devout seeker. In due time, there's a time, as I have said, for everything under the sun, I spied a whitish rat, very puffed and scabby, which sat beneath the dormer of an attic, through which shined Our Lady the Moon. Whilst I looked on him and her, she was moving towards old cold Saturn, her ancient ally, the rat creeped languishingly into her light, and there, before my eyes, died. Presently his mate or companion came out, laid him down beside there, and in like fashion died too. Later, an hour or less to midnight, a third rat did in the same, always choosing the moonlight to die in. This threw me into an amaze, since, as we know, the moonlight is favourable, not hurtful, to the creatures of the moon, 
and saturn being friends with her as you would say was hourly strengthening her evil influence yet these three rats had been stricken dead in very moonlight i leaned out of the window to see which of heaven's host might be on our side and there beheld i good trusty mars very red and heated bustling about his setting i straddled the roof to see better jack margaret came up street going to comfort our sick in hitherum's field a tile slipped under my foot says he heavily enough watchman what of the night heart up jack says i methinks there's one fighting for us that like a fool i forgot all this summer my meaning was naturally the planet mars pray to him then says he i forgot him too this summer he meant god whom he always bitterly accused himself of having forgotten up in oxfordshire among the king's men i called down that he had made amends enough for his sin by his work among the sick but he said he would not believe so till the plague was lifted from him he was at his strength's end more from melancholy than any just cause i have seen this before among priests and over-cheerful men i drenched him then and there with a half cup of waters which i do not say cure the plague but are excellent against heaviness of the spirits what were they said dan white brandy rectified camphor cardamoms ginger two sorts of pepper and aniseed <laughs> said puck waters you call em <laughs> jack coughed on it valiantly and went downhill with me i was for the lower mill in the valley to note the aspect of the heavens my mind had already shadowed forth a reason if not the remedy for our troubles but i would not impart it to the vulgar till i was satisfied that practice may be perfect judgment ought to be sound and to make judgment sound is required an exquisite knowledge <laughs> i left jack and his lantern among the sick in hitherum's field he still maintained the prayers of the so-called church which were rightly forbidden by cromwell you should have told your cousin at wigsell said puck and jack would have been fined for it and you'd have had half the money how did you come so to fail in your duty nick mr culpepper laughed his only laugh that evening and the children jumped at the loud neigh of it <laughs> we were not fearful of men's judgment in those days he answered now mark me closely good people for what follows will be to you though not to me remarkable when i reached the empty mill old saturn low down in the house of the fishes threatened the sun's rising place our lady the moon was moving towards the help of him understand i speak astrologically i looked abroad upon the high heavens and i prayed the maker of em for guidance now mars sparklingly withdrew himself below the sky on the instant of his departure which i noted a bright star or vapour leaped forth above his head as though he had heaved up his sword and broke all about in fire the cocks crowed midnight throughout the valley and i sat me down by the mill-wheel chewing spearmint 
though that's an herb of Venus, and calling myself all the asses' heads in the world. "'Twas plain enough now.' "'What was plain?' said Una. "'The true cause and cure of the plague. Mars, good fellow, had fought for us to the uttermost, faint though he had been in the heavens, and this had made me overlook him in my computations, he more than any of the other planets had kept the heavens, which is to say had been visible some part of each night well nigh throughout the year. Therefore his fierce and cleansing influence, warring against the moon, had stretched out to kill those three rats under my nose, and under the nose of their natural mistress, the moon. I had known Mars lean half across the heaven to deal our lady the moon some shrewd blow from under his shield, but I had never before seen his strength displayed so effectual. I don't understand a bit. Do you mean Mars killed the rats because he hated the moon? said Una. That is as plain as the pikestaff with which Blagg's men pushed me forth, Mr. Culpepper answered. And I'll prove it. Why had the plague not broken out at the blacksmith's shop in Mundy's Lane? Because, as I've shown you, forges and smithies belong naturally to Mars, and, for his honour's sake, Mars would keep em clean from the creatures of the moon. But was it like, think you, that he'd come down and rat-catch in general for lazy, ungrateful mankind? That were working a willing horse to death! So then you can see that the meaning of the blazing star above him when he set was simply this. Destroy and burn the creatures of the moon, for they are the root of your trouble. And thus, having shown you a taste of my power, good people, adieu. Did Mars really say all that? Una whispered. Yes, and twice so much as that to any one who had ears to hear. Briefly, he enlightened me that the plague was spread by the creatures of the moon. The moon, our lady of ill aspect, was the offender. My own poor wits showed me that I, Nick Culpepper, had the people in my charge, God's good providence aiding me, and no time to lose, neither. I posted up the hill and broke into Hitherum's field amongst them all at prayers. Eureka, good people, I cried, and cast down a dead mill-rat which I'd found. Here's your true enemy, revealed at last by the stars. Nay, but I'm praying, said Jack. His face was as white as washed silver. There's a time for everything under the sun, says I. If you would stay the plague, take and kill your rats. Oh, mad, stark mad, says he, and wrings his hands. A fellow lay in the ditch beside him who bellows that he'd as soon die mad hunting rats as be preached to death on a cold fallow. And they laughed round him at this. But Jack Margaret falls on his knees and very presumptuously petitions that he may be appointed to die to save the rest of his people. This was enough to thrust them back into their melancholy. "'You are an unfaithful shepherd, Jack,' I says. "'Take a bat, which we call a stick in Sussex, and kill a rat if you die before sunrise. "'Twill save your people.' "'Aye, aye, 
take a bat and kill a rat he says ten times over like a child which moved him to ungovernable motions of that hysterical passion before mentioned so that they laughed all and at least warmed their chill bloods at that very hour one o'clock or a little after when the fires of life burn lowest truly there is a time for everything and the physician must work with it <coughs> or or miss his cure to be brief with you i persuaded em sick or sound to have at the whole generation of rats throughout the village and there's a reason for all things too though the wise physician need not blab em all imprimisor firstly the mere sport of it which lasted ten days drew em most markedly out of their melancholy i defy sorrowful job himself to lament or scratch while he's routing rats from a rick <laughs> secundo or secondly the vehement act and operation of this chase or war opened their skins to generous transpiration more vulgarly sweated em handsomely and this further drew off their black bile the mother of all sickness thirdly when we came to burn the bodies of the rats i sprinkled sulphur on the faggots whereby the onlookers were as handsomely suffumigated this i could not have compassed if i had made it a mere physician's business they'd have thought it some conjuration yet more we cleansed limed and burned out a hundred foul poke-holes sinks sloughs and corners of unvisited filth in and about the houses in the village and by good fortune mark here that mars was in opposition to venus burned the corn-handler's shop to the ground mars loves not venus will noakes the saddler dropped his lantern on a truss of straw while he was rat-hunting there had you given will any of that gentle cordial of yours nick by any chance said buck a glass or two glasses not more but as i would say in fine when we had killed the rats i took ash slag and charcoal from the smithy and burnt earth from the brickyard i reason that a brickyard belongs to mars and rammed it with iron crowbars into the rat runs and berries and beneath all the house floors the creatures of the moon hate all that mars hath used for his own clean ends for example rats bite not iron and how did poor stuttering jack endure it said puck he sweated out his melancholy through his skin and catched a loose cough which i cured with electuaries according to art it is noteworthy were i speaking among my equals that the venom of the plague translated or turned itself into and evaporated or went away as a very heavy hoarseness and thickness of the head throat and chest <coughs> observe from my books which planets govern these portions of man's body and your darkness good people shall be illuminated <coughs> none the less the plague qua plague ceased and took off for we only lost three more and two of em had it already on em from the morning of the day that mars enlightened me by the lower mill he coughed almost trumpeted triumphantly <clears throat> it, 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 it is proved he jerked out <clears throat> i say i have proved my contention which is that by divine astrology 
and humble search into the veritable causes of things, at the proper time, the sons of wisdom may combat even the plague.' Hmm, Puck replied. For my own part, I hold that a simple soul— Mine? Simple, forsooth, said Mr. Culpepper. A very simple soul, a high courage tempered with sound and stubborn conceit, is stronger than all the stars in their courses. So I confess truly that you save the village, Nick. I, stubborn, I, stiff-necked, I ascribe all my poor success under God's good providence to divine astrology, not to me the glory. You talk as that dear weeping ass Jack Margot preached before I went back to my work in Red Lion House, Spitalfields. Oh, stammering Jack preached, did he? They say he loses his stammer in the pulpit, and his wits with it. He delivered a most idolatrous discourse when the plague was stayed. He took for his text the wise man that delivered the city. I could have given him a better, such as, There is a time for— But what made you go to church to hear him? Puck interrupted. Well, that a soul was your lawfully appointed preacher, and a dull dog he was. Mr. Culpepper wriggled uneasily. "'The vulgar,' said he, "'the old crones and <coughs> the children, Alison and the others, "'they dragged me to the house of Rimmon by the hand. "'I was in two minds to inform on Jack "'for maintaining the mummeries of the falsely called church, "'which I'll prove to you are founded merely on ancient fables.' <laughs> "'Stick to your herbs and planets,' said Puck, laughing. You should have told the magistrates, Nick, and had Jack fined. Again, why did you neglect your plain duty? Because, because I was kneeling and praying and weeping with the rest of them at the altar rails. In medicine, this is called the hysterical passion. It may be, it may be. That's as may be, said Puck. They heard him turn the hay. Why? "'Your hay is half hedge-brishings,' he said. "'You don't expect a horse to thrive on oak and ash and thorn-leaves, do you?' Ping, 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 with the bicycle bell round the corner. Nurse was coming back from the mill. "'Is it all right?' Una called. "'All quite right,' Nurse called back. "'They're to be christened next Sunday.' "'What? What?' They both leaned forward across the half-door. It could not have been properly fastened, for it opened and tilted them out with hay and leaves sticking all over them. "'Come on, we must get those two twins' names,' said Una. And they charged uphill, shouting over the hedge, till Nurse slowed up and told them. When they returned, old Middenborough had got out of his stall, and they spent a lively ten minutes chasing him in again by starlight." Our Fathers of Old Excellent herbs had our fathers of old, Excellent herbs to ease their pain, Alexander's and marigold, Eyebright, orris, and elcampane, Basil, rocket, valerian, rue, Almost singing themselves they run, Vervain, dittany, call me to you, Cowslip, melilo, rose of the sun, Anything green that grew out of the mould was an excellent herb to our fathers of old. Wonderful tales had our fathers of old, wonderful tales of the herbs and the stars, 
the sun was lord of the marigold basil and rocket belonged to mars pat as a sum in division it goes every plant had a star bespoke who but venus should govern the rose who but jupiter own the oak simply and gravely the facts are told in the wonderful books of our fathers of old wonderful little when all is said wonderful little our fathers knew half their remedies cured you dead most of their teaching was quite untrue look at the stars when a patient is ill dirt has nothing to do with disease bleed and blister as much as you will blister and bleed him as oft as you please whence enormous and manifold errors were made by our fathers of old yet when the sickness was sore in the land and neither planet nor herb assuaged they took their lives in their lancet hand and oh what a wonderful war they waged yes when the crosses were chalked on the door yes when the terrible dead cart rolled excellent courage our fathers bore excellent heart had our fathers of old not too learned but nobly bold into the fight went our fathers of old if it be certain as galen says and sage hippocrates holds as much that those afflicted by doubts and dismays are mightily helped by a dead man's touch then be good to us stars above then be good to us herbs below we are afflicted by what we can prove we are distracted by what we know so ah so down from your heaven or up from your mould send us the hearts of our fathers of old end of chapter ten of rewards and fairies by rudyard kipling read by ted delorme in fort mill south carolina